from Nevada Public Radio. I'm Joe Shaneman. It's State of Nevada. You know, we all heard of the supply chain problems during the pandemic. And for the most part, I think a lot of that's disappeared. But there is one supply shortage that's sticking around in Nevada. And a lot of other states are trying to figure out what to do about it. It's the lack of child care. Every Nevada county, both rural and urban, is a child care desert, according to the Governor's Office of Workforce Innovation. Nationally, the Federal Bureau of Labor Statistics says there are 100,000 fewer child care workers than before the pandemic. And that's a big problem for employees and employers who need high quality, affordable child care, especially in Nevada. More than 65 percent of the children here live in homes where both parents work. And it's a problem for employers who are still having a hard time finding enough workers. A lot of studies say the shortage is keeping women out of the workforce and hitting working and middle-class families especially hard. So what's that mean in Nevada? Lisa Levine is director of the Nevada Governor's Office of Workforce Innovation. Lisa, welcome back. Thanks, Joe, for having me. Well, it's great to have you, Lisa. So Governor Lombardo has lamented the poor state of child care in his State of the State speech weeks ago. How significant is this in Nevada? Uh, It's very significant. So we know that the state is facing a low labor force participation, and that absolutely means that we need to do everything we can as a government to increase uh, the labor force participation, diversify the workforce, make sure that people have access to um, great career pathways, workforce training programs so that they can enter or re-enter or stay in the workforce. That's a top priority for the Governor's Office of Workforce Innovation as well as the Governor's Workforce Development Board. Is there a clear connection between the lack of enough child care and quality child care and the lack of enough workers for a lot of employers? Absolutely. Uh, Through the development of this report, we discovered that 74% of Nevada children ages 0 to 5 do not have access to licensed child care. So think about every one of those uh, little kids and then their parents and how that impedes their ability to enter or stay in the workforce. Yeah, I know you had a meeting last week that brought together 20 of Nevada's key players in workforce development and a couple of the other people here are at the table with us today. The focus was on the intersection of affordable child care and labor force needs. What came out of it or what can be done? I think one of the top um, things that surfaced from these meetings that we had is that the community wants to be a part of the solution. Uh, employers, large businesses, small businesses, urban, rural, nonprofits, boys and girls clubs, Opportunity Village, Safe Nest, um, all of these different organizations that are in the workforce development and childcare ecosystem, um, as well as uh, organized labor. You know, one of the things that was pretty incredible from my perspective is during the meeting, we had public comment. The Nevada Mining Association on record said they supported more access to child care for their workers. So did the Las Vegas Chamber of Commerce, Workforce Connections, um, as well as many other players, uh, Southern Nevada Building Trades, Northern Nevada IBEW. Um, so it's a really diverse coalition that's coming together and saying, you know what, we see that child care is impeding on our ability to succeed and something needs to be done about it. And that's the big question. How? What do you do? And I'm just going to lay it out here in, in very simple terms. Child care workers, uh, according to excuse me, statistics I looked at this morning, are paid about fourteen fifty on average nationwide. I don't know what it is in Nevada, but you make more than that at McDonald's. At the same time, um, parents, if you wanted to increase the amount of pay that employees get, parents are going to pay more for child care. And the average cost of uh, child care or daycare in Nevada is close to $10,000. 
which can exceed tuition that you would pay at, at a university in Nevada. So you're, it's, you know, I hate to use this phrase, a rock and a hard place, but if you want to improve this, money has to go somewhere, but who does it go to? Do you pay employees more with subsidies to the state, or do you make subsidies for parents so they can afford childcare? What do you do? So federal dollars that came into the state through the pandemic, um, ARPA and CARES Act, which I'm sure we'll touch on later, uh, there was funding that that went into increasing wages for childcare workers. So one of the questions that we have is, did it did that work? Did that increase um, the amount of workers that we had in that space? Because you're right, uh, you know they're not making very much money, and that's something that's been identified nationally in blue states and red states. Um, I do want to go back to the cost, though. Uh, the average um, cost for a parent of one uh, child in the state of Nevada is actually seventeen thousand dollars. Seventeen thousand. Seventeen thousand dollars. It's yeah. very significant. I actually met a woman who works at UNLV, um, and she makes sixty thousand dollars a year. She has one kid. And it costs her $20,000 a year to send that child uh, to childcare so that she can work. So it's one-third of her paycheck. Now, uh, is that a specific type? I mean, we could get into the types of childcare because there are different costs based on where you send your child. That's true. The younger the child, the more expensive. Uh, and we did in the report, we have infant care costs by Nevada County, um, but they're all significantly high, Joe, uh, no, no matter where you are. If you're in Humboldt or Lander County, for example, you're still going to pay about $6,000 a year. Uh, if you're in Washoe or Clark, that's when it gets closer to 17000 all right. So I, I, I'm going to ask this question of everybody here at the panel, but what do you do about it? Do, you had this, these meetings. You talked to everybody about it. What's the solution? Well, there's a couple solutions that we identify in the report. We break it down by workforce, infrastructure, uh, and then there's other questions that, that the board had. Um, in terms of infrastructure, that's the big part of this, right? Because you need a place that the kids can go. And so there was a few things that were identified. One, uh, home care, because you think about point of entry. And so you're either coming from the neighborhood or you're going to uh, the workplace. And so having access to better home care and more home care. And then the other part of that was employer on-site child care. And there's actually a national child care tax credit that businesses can utilize called 45F, which we conducted a business survey um, from December 15th to January 15th. 90% of businesses that responded to the survey were unaware of the 45F child care tax credit. So that right there is an opportunity for us to expand infrastructure and bring in more federal dollars to the state. We are talking about the lack of child care options for Nevadans. Recent studies have shown a significant drop in the number of quality child care providers here nationwide. And it's causing issues for employers in a market where workers are already a scarcity and for parents who want to work but can't find somebody to care for their kids or they can't find a place that's cheap enough to put their kids into. And again, we talked about businesses who, uh, at least have mentioned all these different business organizations who want to see an improvement in child care in the state. And uh, Gina B. Bongiovi is a Las Vegas business lawyer. She's an active member of the Las Vegas Chamber of Commerce. Gina, welcome to State of Nevada. Thank you. So, so Gina, uh, in November of, of, of 2021, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce wrote on its website that child care is a two-generation workforce issue because it's supporting the workforce of today and developing the workforce of tomorrow. Uh, what, what do we lose if we don't do something about this? I mean, a tremendous amount of potential, both from the labor participation rate in the current generation and for the educated workforce of tomorrow. 
Yeah. And what are you hearing from at chamber meetings or people you know in the business industry? What are you hearing from them about this? Well, I mean, I and so many of my clients, I work with business owners and so many other of my fellow chamber members are struggling to find help, you know, workers to come back to work. And it doesn't make sense if somebody is practically breaking even by putting their kid in childcare. Um, so a lot of people are choosing to stay home and not returning to the workforce. So we're trying to figure out a way to bridge that gap because we're finding that we're not necessarily keeping up with other communities. We're not necessarily able to attract you know, businesses here to Southern Nevada that we might want to um, because of the lack of childcare being a key factor. Are any of the businesses doing anything unique or out of the box that you know of like to, to address this issue? I mean, people can get really creative with this. There's lots of you know ways to create almost like pods in a neighborhood to have one stay-at-home mom maybe take care of multiple kids. Um, there's ways of trying to incentivize employees to maybe you have some bonuses that you're you're offering in order for them to help you know bolster that to pay for childcare. Of course, none of that happens in a vacuum. So the business owner has to really look and analyze as far as the money that they're supporting their employees with, and does it really pencil? You know, does it? really create the outcomes that they're seeking on the other end. And again, we are talking about the lack of childcare options in Nevada. I'm here with Gina Bongiovi, Lisa Levine, and and you. If you're in that boat or if you have suggestions on what might be done to increase quality childcare in Nevada because a lot of people can't find it, there are uh, there's a severe lack in the supply of childcare workers. What might be done? Barbara from Las Vegas, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you. Um, my um, daughter actually is in Minneapolis, and she has a very similar problem. This is a, a national problem, not just for Las Vegas. And I think I, my kids, when they were little, I had them in home care. But I think when they're really tiny, that's okay. But one of the things about child care is that they're also getting some early education. And I think that, it, you know, is proven to be beneficial. So I, I'm supportive of, of having, um, you know, um, child care that's um, more rigory has more rigor to it and more planning to it. But I think that our nation needs to consider uh, supporting this just like they support regular school systems. I think it should be an, considered an offshoot, and we should be able to um, to have our tax dollars go to child care workers. This is a huge uh, need and necessity, and, and child care workers are some of the most important people that we that we have, and we need to to better afford allow them to better afford that type of a, a work uh, lifestyle. Yeah, Barbara, that's a great comment. It's actually something Ken Evans and I were talking about just before the program. Ken Evans is the co-chair of the Nevada Governor's Workforce Development Board. Ken, welcome back to, to the program. Glad to be here, Joe. Thank you. We were talking about this and talking about sort of a need, uh, a sea change that has to come in the minds of Americans. Talk about what you what you think about that. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I'm glad the last caller, Barbara, mentioned the fact that there needs to be an effort to provide resources, potentially uh, tax paid resources in order to bolster our child care. Uh, I recently attended the uh, National Governors Association Workforce Development Conference, and they pointed out the fact they actually had a session on child care, so definitely it's a national issue. And yes, as we were discussing, uh, think of it this way. About 50 to 60 years ago, American society was structured differently, uh, meaning typically it's a, it's a patriarchal society where the male worked and the woman stayed at home. Mm -hmm. That has changed. So we need to be able to change and evolve with that. 
You know, you have also talked, I should mention as well that you're the past president of the Urban Chamber of Commerce. Uh, I neglected to mention that. You know, you've talked about the importance of equity and inclusivity in child care. What do you think would be equitable or inclusive for a state to help out with this, like to provide child care services and funding for families who need it? Uh, I think we need to do both. You know, the question is, do you help the the, uh, child care employee or do you help the employee of the business as well as the employer? I think we need to structure things where we help on both ends. Uh, it's not fair to ask someone that's a child care worker that you're trusting with your child to work for below livable wage uh, income. And then at the same time, we also need to support the employees, in particular small diverse businesses. They want to be able to hire people, typically people from within their community, but they may not be in a position to leverage resources like a larger corporation. That's the reason why the 45F program is so important. And we need to keep in mind that when we get into that, you ask the question, what has come of this meeting? One of the things we know we need to do is, first of all, publicize the 45F tax credit. But then at the same time, if we find in its implementation it's not working for a segment, say small, diverse businesses, then we need to be prepared to adjust that so that it will work. So the 45F program, Lease Living, does that provide a, a large amount of subsidy? What does it do exactly? So it provides $150,000 tax credit on, a, on an annual basis. For a business. Yes. Uh, and we actually found that a bipartisan group uh, in Congress on Ways and Means have identified just last year that perhaps that's not enough and that Congress should increase the tax incentive for businesses to utilize because it's not just in Nevada that businesses are underutilizing the tax credit. It's a national issue. Um, so that's another aspect of the report is working with the federal congressional delegation here in the state and seeing if that's an opportunity that we could increase that. So right now, today, that $150,000 is available to to any business who applies? That's right. And so larger businesses are probably um, more able to think about employer on-site child care, where smaller businesses, perhaps home care is a better option for their employees. Uh, and so both are included in the 45F. And again, we're talking about the lack of child care options for Nevadans. Recent studies nationwide have shown a significant drop in the number of quality child care providers. And it's making the search for employees worse for businesses in a market where it's already hard to find workers and for parents who want to work but can't find someone to care for their kids. I want to bring in Susan Brager now. She is a member of the State Board of Regents, a former county commissioner and CCSD school board member. And she recently wrote a letter that became part of a child care report from the Governor's Workforce Development Board. Susan, welcome back. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's great to have you, Susan. So your letter backed up everything we've been talking about so far. But but let's say there's somebody <clears throat> listening right now who has a job, doesn't have a kid, doesn't want to have a kid. Why should they be concerned about this? It's like saying you're never going to get older and need help from society as that point in time comes for you. We should be unified. And if we're not unified, you never know where you're going to end up in life if you need facility care later on. And I think we need to reach out for that. Whether you have children or not, we all start out the same and we're going to end up the same. So there may be adult daycare for someone. And I think we need to make sure that we are giving that front end care to that end of life care 
And that's why that makes a difference. You have worked, you know, seen the machinations of government for many years. <laughs> You're on the county board. You know how the money, where it comes in and where it goes. Do you think something like this, we talked about the 45F program, $150,000 and potential for the federal government to increase that. Right now they're facing this debt ceiling. Who knows if, if that, that could even happen. But I wonder about the difficulty of getting this state to provide more money, either in subsidies to parents to help them pay for child care or for the businesses themselves so that they can pay their workers more. And, and then watching those businesses to make sure that they're using the money the correct way and they're not just pocketing it. I think that no one should be afraid of an audit. I think audits can let you know where your money is, where it can go, how was it divided. And I think that so if we had an audit on the Nevada Department of Health and Human Services, Division of Welfare and Supportive Services, it's to identify the federal fund money that came here and how it was allotted. It could show us if we're doing it um, to the proportionment of that it needs, and maybe there are better ways. I've never been afraid of an audit in the county or the school board or being a regent. I think it just gives you a, the in-depth ability to see how you could maybe spend it further or why you need more. So it's not about trying to find an error from someone. It's to find out and show the federal government, we wisely spent this, but we need much more to be able to satisfy the needs in our state. So, so just really making that a concrete part of any kind of deal that, or, or grant that somebody might get through the government. Absolutely. That, that has to be in writing. I, the, it has to be yeah. in writing because the federal government looks at bottom dollar and bottom line. You spend your money well, they're more apt to give you more. Kara from Las Vegas, welcome to the program. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. Go ahead, um, Kara. I have returned back to the workforce after being married for seven years, going through a divorce, three kids, two are in public school system, but I still have my four-year-old at home until the end of the summer. And I'm in a position as someone who actually suffered abuse through childcare and know people who their children were neglected or abused. Mm -hmm. People like went to jail because of it. So I am concerned not only because it is a third or maybe half my income because I can't even work full time at this point. So support funding would be great for someone like me who is eager to work and will only need childcare really for a short time. But besides that, I think there needs to be more oversight yes. by, by our state to make sure these people are appropriately trained that they get drop-ins from someone who oversees, you know, these five daycare facilities frequently so that they can make observations about maybe a potential abuse and even speak to other parents, maybe parents who left a facility um, because of problems that, that this is more, um, oh, there's more oversight, you know, about that. So That's that, it. that apprehends me from putting my child mm -hmm. in a public care. So yeah, and, and you, you bring up a good point. If there is this great need for more child care, will perhaps the government be more lax in some of the regulations that they they put on child care because they want more of these and they need them quickly? Um, are there any guarantees out there? Who, who can talk about this? Are there guarantees that that will not happen now that we have the shortage? Uh, Gina. Well, I think it's hard to guarantee 100%, but we can at least point to, going back to Susan's point about the importance of an audit and making sure that the money is spent properly, is that a, a August 2022 U.S. Inspector General's report found that one-third of child care workers had no background checks. So of the money that's being spent, it's not necessarily guaranteeing the safety 
of those kids going into childcare, and the caller has a very valid point. So going again back to Susan's point about having an audit is making sure that those um, aspects of oversight are being implemented properly and frequently so that our kids are safe. And if this for the 45F program that we talked about, up to $150,000 for a child care provider, can they use that money for background checks? Because otherwise, I, th- I believe it falls on the backs of the potential employee. And those costs can range, Elisa Levine, up to $200 for a single background check for somebody who just wants to get a job. That's right. Just to enter the child care workforce, it's between 60 to $200, depending on the county and the state. Um, that was one part that we identified that was a licensure and regulatory barrier for people entering the child care workforce. Another part of that is, is that they have to actually pay with a cashier's check. When was the last time any of you used the cashier's check, right? Um, so that's, you know, that's, an, that's a barrier. And then the third part of that is you have to navigate in order to get the background check and all these different licensing aspects, um, several different points of entry within the government which navigating government can be difficult for anyone, um, especially constituents who mm-hmm. are trying to get into this space. Um, so all of that's included in the report to be con- reconsidered. Go, I'm sorry, Gina, go ahead. Um, I even spoke with a, a potential client of the firm who uh, operates a child care facility with an academic um, aspect to it. And she shared with me that not only is it very difficult to navigate the, I guess, the oversight for um, background checks was moved from Metro under a different auspice, and then they have to go to different states if if the potential worker hasn't been in Nevada for a certain period of time, which is it's difficult enough navigating your local government, much less in other states that those background checks are expensive. And then even if the business owner is the child care owner, child care facility owner is willing to front those costs, it still takes 10 weeks for those background checks to come back, by which point in time that potential worker has probably found other employment. And Lisa, you want to add to this? There's actually about a 10,000 uh, backlog right now for the background check. In, in so Nevada? That, yeah. So Just that in Nevada? A, that, is, that is a Jeez. significant problem. And then in addition to that, we de- we discovered this during the development of the report in the state of Nevada, and I think that there are efforts right now to change this. But if you um, are going to become a licensed child care provider, it's not just getting one background check in the state to be cleared. You actually have to get a background check per facility, even if it's the same child care company that you work for that has, let's say, 10 different site locations. Um, in the region that you live in and you're working in, if you float between those different 10 sites, you have to get a background check for each of those 10 sites. Yeah, you know, I know some of you here, so I'm going to choose to be hopeful about this. But why should I be hopeful that any of this is going to change in Nevada where so many things, so many problems occur and nothing changes? Ken? Uh, from my perspective, as the vice chair for the Governor's Workforce Development Board, uh, speaking on behalf of uh, Hugh Anderson, our chair as well, we intend to be intentional and produce some results uh, as a result of this report. Uh, doing something as basic as education about the 45F program. In addition to that, having best practices like Amanda Nilton, Hilton pointed out that's being used in a regional manner. And I think my colleague, Ms. Brager, will talk about that as an example. But the bottom line is we intend to take action and move forward on this. It's costing us economic development opportunities And that's unacceptable. At the end of the day, everybody should have the ability to achieve their level of self-actualization. And it starts with your ability to work, be an entrepreneur, or have a career. Susan Brager, you wanted to add something to that? Well, I just think it's important to go back a little bit to getting through the system of licensing. Sometimes what stops from foster care to daycare to 
all of those aspects of watching over a child, vaccines, number one, has been a, a roadblock for some people. Number two is some- If you don't have a vaccine, you're not able to be a child care provider. Correct. Okay. And also that if you had an incident in your life when you were 18 or 25 and you were still young, but 20, 30 years goes by, that is holding you up and not letting you move through your life. So your past becomes your future. And if we have a past, that word is key. If it's something that is- something you've never done again. You smoked marijuana 30 years ago. Correct. Then why would we want to say that person isn't able to take care of a child or an adult in an adult facility? And I don't take this, I take this very seriously. You don't eliminate looking at backgrounds, but you also have to be a little bit cognizant of that this is something 20, 30 years ago. Very good point. Aggie from North Las Vegas, welcome to the program. Hi. Hi, I just wanted to say, I don't want to add to the problem, but I have taught more than 20 years in the Clark County school system and uh, at exclusively at at-risk schools, and I can tell you right now that older kids are regularly kept home to watch younger kids mm-hmm. because their parents work minimum wage jobs, and they, they absolutely cannot afford any kind of health or uh, child care. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> that is a... Yeah, I mean, I've heard of that happening, um, but that would, yeah, that, as as the report says, you're hurt, you're hurting the current workforce and the future workforce. And Gina, you wanted to add to this. Well, that's one of the statistics that we see um, at UNLV specifically. I served on the Alumni Association Board for a number of years, and the number of students that are either drop out in the first semester to stay home to take care of their younger siblings or to get a job and forego higher education is one of the challenges that UNLV is facing. And to your earlier point about people, I don't have kids. I don't have plans on having kids, but this is a crucial issue for me as well, not only as a business owner, but as a member of the community, making sure that not only will there be educated people to take care of me when I'm old, because I'm not going to have my own kids, but also to make sure that our community is surviving and thriving. Yeah. We have time for one more quick call. Rick from Las Vegas, welcome to the program. Hello, thank you. Um, just wanted to, this is this is an issue that it, there's no one um, solution that's going to solve the whole problem, but, you you know, bites at a time. And so when you look at um, funding, uh, someone suggested uh, maybe perhaps funding through taxpayer dollars programs, and I think we need to make a distinction between pre-K, which is obviously the most expensive for parents to pay for, versus K through 12 or K, K through 10. Um, I know that in the CARES Act, the school district got about $775 million in ESSER 1 and ESSER 2 money and reached out to local community support organizations for um, um, uh, proposals of how to spend that money. And I know in a lot of the proposals from the community support organizations, uh, a lot of them uh, talked about funding for using funding for after and rick you're gonna have to we're gonna have to wrap this up if you have a uh, i'm really sorry we're gonna have to end it there we're running out of time um i want to thank our guests ken evans susan brager lisa levine and gina bongiovi